Welcome to the Three Guys with Epic Lives podcast. Your hosts are Justin Breen, Evan Ryan, and I'm Bill Bloom. This show is for high-level entrepreneurs and for those who want to learn to live their most epic lives. Please subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for more incredible conversations about living epic lives because we could all do that. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and thank you so much for being part of the show. Three guys with Epic Lives podcast. We have Evan Ryan, Justin Breen, and I'm Bill Bloom. And today we're going to be talking about what life is actually like when one when one country really changes the world. There's a lot of moving parts going on in the world these days and one country has literally changed the world. Inflation, oil prices. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the world. So, Evan, what's on your mind today? I think what's interesting to me is how quickly opportunity can come and go. Like, if I was sitting over in Eastern Europe right now, I'd be really nervous that there are so many factors outside of my control that, like, the opportunities that I'm looking for are gone. Now, the the flip side to that is, like, never waste a crisis. But in the case where the currency de- is devalued um, sizably, where sanctions are, like, sort of imposed all over the place, and for all intents and purposes, like, there's a possibility that your company or your country could be sent back to the Stone Age. What I think is really interesting is, like, kind of the mindset that surrounds, you know, how do I, how do I live? How do I thrive inside of this world? And what do I, what do I need to do in order to set myself up to be, um, to be successful? I mean, one of the things that I'm learning here is just the value of having a delocalized business where you can transact in multiple currencies in multiple countries and your headquarters is in the cloud. So I think as I've been watching this whole situation unfold in Eastern Europe, the biggest thing for me is like, you know, how do you, if you're a Russian or Ukrainian or a Romanian or a Moldovian pizza shop, and now you're having a hard time hiring talent because people are fleeing the country and because there's fighting and wheat prices are up 25 or 30%, like that's really cutting into your margins. So I'm kind of thinking about about that right now, really as it pertains to being delocalized, um, as it pertains to being able to transact and work in any country um, and the freedom that, that that provides to be able to handle these sort of unforeseen circumstances that are way outside your control. Yeah, it's an interesting take, Evan. I, I value these conversations so much. Um, you know, we come at these things from so many interesting and different perspectives. Um, my family's Ukrainian, father's side. Um, and uh, I always look at the past to understand present and then future. So my father's parents escaped Ukraine uh, in the late 1800s. They escaped Ukraine. We don't know exactly where they're from. We, we do know they're from Ukraine, small town somewhere. And they both escaped that uh, the pogroms, so they were slaughtering Jews there uh, well before the Holocaust. 
I guess slaughtering Jews has been, you know, that's a common theme. That's why you don't forget. But um, so they escaped the Ukraine in the late 1800s, and then they met um, in the in the United States, and then they had my father's family, my dad and his uh, three brothers, who were all war heroes. And so that's like a, a previous version of a lot of what's happening now. Uh, we're recording this on March 7th. Normally I don't say that, but it's important. So I was watching March 7th, the news, which I don't usually watch, even though I own a global PR firm. I almost never watch the news, but I was watching it today. And they were showing uh, the, the Ukrainian refugees going into Poland, the, bo the border in Poland. It was all moms and ki kids because the dads are fighting. It's all moms and kids. And I look at those moms and kids and hopefully the dads will survive and then they'll they'll probably, uh, a lot of them will never go back to Ukraine again. Many of them will stay in Poland or go to UK or Canada or the US or a more friendly country. And then they'll create something. Many of them will create something because uh, no choice, figure it out. And uh, I'm, I'm dead last in empathy and my strength finders, but watching that, um, I can't tell you, I feel it because it's in my blood, literally, literally. But I feel it so strongly what they're going through, have such empathy for that. And then understanding they'll take that experience and then the ones that get it, they'll create something great from that. They'll create a new life for themselves. And there's going to be a lot of life changes. They're going to really be forced to make those big changes. It's hard. It's terrible. It sucks. Really, really terrible. There could be some really good things. And, you know, your futurist is kicking in there, Justin. There could be some benefits, but if, if you have an inventory business, if you're reliant on oil, if you're reliant on wheat, right? Like think about how your life is going to change. You know, these costs going up so much inflation's here. Is inflation going to continue to rise because of that? These are all things that remain to be seen. And I mean, imagine not being able to get money out of your bank. And that's why having these, these different types of currencies out there are really fascinating. Very, very fascinating. It's just, it's just unbelievable to see how the world has come together to make this very, very clear that this is wrong. And there's going to be a lot of people inside that country who don't agree with what's going on. They're going to be affected too. You know, their currency is devalued. They don't have a say in this. They've been arrested, right? Because of what's been going on. So it's just really, really fascinating to see what's going on in the world. Wow. Um, uh, you did, so my brain works in real time and that's how I learn. I think I have an answer to what you just said. So COVID was a global event where people could empathize and sympathize with each other. Pre-COVID, I don't think the whole world would have understood. Maybe they would have, but I don't think the whole world would have understood, quote unquote, what Russia's doing is wrong. But I think now that the whole world has been on the same page with something for the first time ever, really, I think they're realizing what's at stake here from a global perspective um, and how unfair it is to one side and and how unnecessary how unnecessary it is like there's no reason there's you know there's no reason to be doing this um i think that's why bill i think that's why 
from a global perspective, it's so one-sided in terms of thinking is because like, we just went through COVID. We're still going through COVID. Do you really, do we really need to do this? Do we really need to go through something like this? So I think that's why I'm not a, I'm not a geopolitical expert by any means. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not prepared to speak out related to like the logistics of what's happening or like the day to day of what's happening. I think what's interesting to me as well is that, you know, for the last like 70 years, essentially the last 75 years, um, we've been in the most peaceful time in history. But before that, Europe's kind of thing was that they were always at war. And, and so what's interesting is this idea that right now it feels like the world has changed so much. Um, when in reality, like, sure, it, it has changed a lot, but it's actually kind of gone back to what it was for several thousand years from my understanding of history. And, and so this is actually a little bit more realistic to like what the people who came before us actually had to work with on a day-to-day -day basis. Of course, the world was less globalized. Of course, information spread differently because we didn't have the internet, all sorts of things. Um, but the idea of building a life where you could get up and leave and be a little bit no more nomadic was commonplace because you didn't know when you're going to be attacked. You didn't know when there was going to be a famine. You didn't know when there was going to be a fire. You didn't know all sorts of different things. Right. And, and so what's interesting is basically this idea of not being nomadic, I think is a relatively new idea over the last couple of hundred years. And we're, I think all sort of realizing that there is a benefit to having this like sort of quote unquote nomadic hedge. Hundred percent. Um, you know, in you know, like this is a show for high performing entrepreneurs. I think that's what your intro says, Bill. High performing entrepreneurs. And you know, Evan, I would describe you as a full nomad or about to be a full nomad. You know, you're going all over the world. You have been all over the world. And I think entrepreneurship, if you want to call it business in general, I mean I don't have an office. Bill, you barely go to your office, right? Do you barely? And Evan, your whole team is all over the place, all over the world in a good way. Um, before COVID, well before COVID, I was saying there'd be more businesses, companies like mine, where there's no office, employee counts, not a requirement. You just collaborate on a global level. And I think that's what has kind of happened. COVID fast-tracked it, but now even more, you're seeing the benefits of not having a brick and mortar not having that, having a more nomadic life, nomadic entrepreneurship. And I think it'll continue to go in that direction for sure, um, especially with supply chain issues and all that kind of stuff, more regional supply chain, more localized supply chain, supply chain coming to the forefront. Um, so you have the global technology, and then that will help fast track a lot of the other things that have been slowed down by this. I think that's what you're seeing and what you'll continue to see. And I think it's fascinating to see what what sort of relief is going to Ukraine right now. Not only from a, a monetary standpoint, but you know, it's got to be pretty damn hard to get things into the country right now to bring support, supplies, and yeah, just the logistics around that sounds like a nightmare. 
the news story that I saw today, this was people from Ukraine going walking to Poland. And when I say walking, I mean walking like days on end with no shelter, freezing cold. Um, and then they got to they got over the border. All they were really hoping for was like a warm place to sit down. Just think about that. Okay, you know, thing. And then, and then what was also interesting is what you just said, Bill, is that the amount of supplies there was incredible. People like driving. There was one couple that drove from Germany just to drop off supplies. I actually don't know how far that is, Germany to the Polish-Ukraine border. I'm guessing it's several hours, but. Then there were just boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of food, clothes. There were like tents with seats in them with he- little heaters in there, because um, it's a it's a it's a global effort to help people now. Global effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And think about what that means for your own life. The things that we take for granted and the things that get us cranky upset. It's like so pointless, so incredibly pointless. So here's an interesting take on that bill. Cause I was talking, we'll have another discussion about this uh, future episode. I was talking to my therapist about this. She brought up a good point because this will, because what you just said is true, but she's like, it doesn't minimize how you feel about your own experiences. Like, even though it is, I get, I would agree with you. The things that we complain about relative to that aren't really, but it doesn't minimize it. <laughs> so it's okay to not feel, to feel annoyed about what we're going through. Um, even though it doesn't compare, but if you look at gap and the gain, comparison is the root of all gap. So, <laughs> you know, it, uh, um, you know, I, you know, I'm very grateful that, that we're not, over there but it also it's okay to like not minimize our experiences what we're going through on a daily basis for sure i hope this is over soon for them i really hope that this is over i truly truly hope so and allow the world to to get back into a better place again because a lot of the war that gets fought these days is through the internet it's through cyber I mean, a lot of the stuff's in the cloud, potentially. I don't know, right? Most of you know who who are listening. I can't, I could barely use my computer, let alone (laughs) understand that stuff. But yeah, it's just really crazy to me to see that people are are actually fighting and there's bombs being sent off and these cities being destroyed, these beautiful cities, these ancient cities. It's just mind-boggling to me right now. Evan, where's the AI component to this? where it can really help where can, where can AI, what, what you, for lack of a better term, what you do, what your company does, where can it, where can the AI component help this or hurt it for that matter? Sure. It can hurt it too, but more importantly, help it. I think the conflict is geopolitical. The conflict is surrounding NATO. It's surrounding the EU. It's surrounding the U S it's surrounding globalization. Um, the conflict is surrounding, you know, local borders, like real world world borders um, and, and real world natural resources. It's not really, it's not really a conflict in my opinion that can be helped by AI. Hmm. I mean, like 
even if to say like, oh, well, AI powers recommendation algorithms for Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and, and people can better see what's going on inside of the world. It's like, well, yeah, but also they can better see misinformation and they can better see propaganda. And I think it's pretty clear that there's propaganda on both sides of this thing. And so um, like the question of where can, where can AI help? Um, I, I, I'm not sure if there is a solution okay. to ancient problems. Like the older the problem, the older the solution, right? And AI is a relatively new solution. So um, I'm not sure if there is one. I think in terms of in terms of how could AI hurt this, it's I don't think there's anything new. I think it's the same cyber warfare that's been going on now for the last 10, 12, 15 years, um, the same cyber attacks that have been going on. I think, you know, like DDoSing, the Russian government websites and that kind of thing, like that's, that's all well and good, but I don't think that um, anybody in the higher levels of government on either side are going to say, you know, we're going to actually, we're going to stop this war because our websites got taken down. Right. Like, I think it's very well intentioned, but I don't think it's going to be something that moves the needle for, um, for stopping wars. Maybe it moves the needle in, in small conflicts here and there, but it's, it's not going to be the ultimate solution. Um, so I think, you know, AI as a relatively new solution to problems probably isn't going to solve any of the problems. AI as it could be used for bad is being used for bad in the exact same ways that, um, that it's been used for bad over the last 10 to 15 years. I think lastly, using technology overall to gain energy independence at a, at a country level is critical. And so I don't care which country you are, but using, using AI or using other advanced technologies to gain energy independence, that way your foreign policy decisions can be different, um, I would say is absolutely critical. So those are kind of like my three thoughts there. You're in an eight, three print a country, strong and self-reliant, succeed and achieve. That's interesting. Well, I mean, most countries, most countries in the world are making their decisions based off of one of three things, really demographics, based off of natural resources and boundaries and based off of energy. Um, and I think if you can take at least one more of those things into your own hands and you can have control over that, then you can make decisions about how you interact with the rest of the world in a different way. Yeah, it goes down to what Dan Sullivan says, be the buyer. So I think that's the key with being a country or being an uh, entrepreneur, be the buyer. Don't sell anything. You guys want to wrap this one up? Yep. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. It's been another great episode of Three Guys with Epic Lives. I hope that you've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed our time. Uh, if you love the show, please subscribe. If you don't love the show, also subscribe too. Just don't leave a review. <laughs> Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Three Guys with Epic Lives podcast. We are truly grateful for you listening. And please make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting channel. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family all over your social media. And again, we're very grateful to have you as a listener on our show. Thank you.